Hello and welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I am Jordan Delacolte Colton. I am joined by Tyler Walzak. Tyler, uh, another busy weekend. We had a sprint weekend, so it means we had content all the way through. Luckily for us, at least here in Canada, it was a long weekend uh, to celebrate Canada Day. Uh, for our American friends, I guess tomorrow's the 4th of July. Maybe you're listening to this while you're sitting out there, you know, firing fireworks off in your backyard in an unsafe way. All of our American listeners, be safe out there. But... We had a lot of fun uh, in Austria, a lot more fun than a lot of the drivers did, certainly the ones who couldn't keep it between the lines. We'll talk about that. But overall, I guess this is the question, Tyler, to start this whole thing off. When you remembered that it was a sprint weekend, because if you were like me and forgot, we didn't even talk about it last, last race. We just completely forgot about it. I guess the question is, like, now that we've got this new format, do you still get excited for sprint weekends? No. Um, and I was actually informed about the sprint weekend by one of our listeners at work. Um, Craig was like, oh, yeah, big sprint weekend this weekend. I was like, wait, what? And I completely, that's, I should be better than that with my previews each week. Um, but yeah, sprint weekends used to mean a lot more last year than they did this year. That being said, it was very exciting. It was a very exciting Saturday in terms of the, the sprint um qualifying and then the sprint shootout but it doesn't meet in the grand scheme of things like the top eight get points or top seven get points something like that it doesn't mean anything for the actual race and that's the thing that that we talked about earlier drives me crazy that it doesn't mean anything for the actual race and it could be it could mean so much more just the way they did it last year um I think they're, I really do think that they're missing an opportunity here. Well, so I was thinking a lot about it because I agree with you. Like I remembered very late, I think probably Friday. I think, you know, how I realized was that I don't, uh, I don't usually watch like any of the practices on Friday. I, I catch up on them. Right. But usually I'm working mm-hmm. or doing something else. Like I'm not getting up at 7am three days in a row. If I'm going to watch the races and stuff on the weekend, even if I've taped it and watch it later like that's an extra day and a lot of it isn't broadcast in canada to be fair like very rarely do they do that but that being said all of a sudden i'm getting these alerts on my phone being like wait what's going on on friday i'm like oh shit qualifying is going on oh it's a sprint weekend like that's how i was with you i had completely forgotten which does speak to like it clearly is not front of mind but i did have some thoughts about it because the thing for me is it's like i liked the idea of the sprint when it was qualifying because of the way it elevated the stakes. But I also think that like now the way they're doing this with qualifying and then basically Saturday is like a completely different event, right? It's like, it's like an all-star weekend where like you have like the, the skills competition on the Saturday. That's really like, it's fun. It's maybe it's a little entertaining once in a while you get a kind of a cool moment out of it, but most of the time it's like, eh, and then you have an actual game. Now let's not digress on like, the quality of all-star games but the point being you know if the sprint is for the fans fine but why is qualifying friday for the actual race you care about sunday if mm-hmm. the idea of changing the format this year making it because i think the big challenge they had when, when it was a qualifying thing people were like well it's actually a race it shouldn't be a qualifying thing it, it's, a, it's a race it's like fine okay make it a race like they do in formula two they do the sprint they count for points they invert the grid. They go race a Grand Prix the next day. Like, that's cool. Fine. If you're going to do that in Formula One, then, like, you got to change the order. The sprint thing should be Friday. Qualifying and practice should still be Saturday. Make them two different things. Make us care about the extra thing. Like, treat it like a bonus that we should get excited about, not something that feels like it's interrupting the regular flow of programming. Yeah, because if you don't, 
if you don't really care about the sprint, you basically have Saturday off. Whereas if they do qualify on Saturday, just like you said, Saturday qualifying race Sunday, then if you have the day off or the night off Friday, you get to enjoy the entire sprint day event. Um, I actually think that that would be better, a better lineup for their weekend than what it is now, unless they go back to the old, um, the old way of last year and actually have it mean something for the, for the race, which I, again, I can't say enough, like how exciting it is to be able to change your car at qualifying after qualifying Friday, get penalized, go to the back of the grid, work your way up Saturday through the sprint and then use like the, from 20th to 10th that to then go 10th to first, like we saw Hamilton do yeah. in Brazil a couple totally. years ago. Totally. So it's way more just, exciting. It's way more fun exciting. while we're reinventing the sport just for fun. Let's, uh, let's just play like a, a what if game. So like I, I'm going to pitch you my, a different thing, a different idea of how I think the sprint should function. If it's meant for points, if it's meant to have stakes, here's what it is. It's, it's, outside of the regular Grand Prix schedule, because Formula One is desperate to get all these extra races on the calendar. We go back to 20 races for the regular Grand Prix, 20 races, but we have five additional races, race weekends in between those scheduled, maybe on the same circuits so that we're not doing too much globe trotting, but mm -hmm. additional weekends where on the Saturday you do a shootout, which is the qualifying followed by the sprint race. And then on the Sunday, you do a shootout followed by a sprint race. But each race only has 10 drivers in each one. One driver per team in each of those two sprints. You get to choose based on the lineup of the other teams who you're going to put head to head. So it's Hamilton versus Max in one race. And then it's, it's George versus Perez, Red Bull to Mercedes in the next race. So now you're gathering points just for the constructors and just for those drivers in a completely different structure. The weekend has its own meaning, has its own stakes. It matters. The points matter, but that's all you're worried about for that weekend is the sprint part of it. Now, maybe that's too complicated and we just say, great, we'll just do a, a Sunday thing and it's 20 cars and let's go for it. But personally, I think if you're going to go and start to tinker around with the whole thing, like why not just completely reinvent the whole thing and make it a different event? Like think about what they've done in NASCAR with these sort of like shorter, smaller track things throughout their regular schedule, right? Or the way that IndyCar does some races on circuits and some races on street tracks. And the whole idea of like what that does to grow a fan base in terms of like finding different places you can put these races, doing different things with it. Like there's how many how many racetracks that Formula One used to race in, in, in Europe that you could go back to just for sprint races or just for like one-off showcases or things like that. Like some of these tracks too that we know aren't good, like, those would be the, like, I'm sorry, but the Red Bull ring is not a great Grand Prix track, but it's a good sprint race track because it's short. Like it, it would be a great thing if that's all you did there was sprinting. I don't know. Like for me, it's like throw the whole thing up in the air then at this point. Well, I, I agree with some of what you said there. So I actually very, 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 very much like the idea of two races and the teams decide who's in like race A and race B. I actually think that's a very interesting idea that should be looked at further. Um, and we should talk about it more down the road. Um, and I also think that if they're going to do sprint qualifying and a sprint race on the same Saturday, the sprint qualifying shouldn't be the same format as regular qualifying. Cause it is, it's a shorter time. It should be one lap. You, your driver kind of like, it's a, it's almost like a luck of the draw. Like you put all like 20 balls into a thing 
your driver gets picked, he gets to decide what time of the day he wants to like between one and 2 PM or something. What time does he want? Does he want to be the first guy out on qualifying? Does he want to be the last guy? What does he want to do? And then you get one lap, you get your flying lap and then you get your, your, um, sorry. You, yeah. You get your out lap and then your flying lap. And then you put that time up. What it is is where you start in the sprint race. Because I also think that you're going to get way more surprises if that happens too. Like you might get an Albon at one. You might get uh, a Haas car at top five. And it'll stay that instead of like the Q1 where those guys seem to do really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and then Q2, they start solving it, whittling down to where they're supposed to be until it's the lineup is where it's going to be in Q3. Just one lap, one time, one. And then you decide that's, that's where the sprint race is decided. Um, for their grid or you invert the grid after qualifying. So like, if you're going to make this sprint race, its own thing, then make it crazy, make it yeah. weird. Maybe even the racetrack that it goes to is like, no, 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 we're, this is how we're going to do ours. Or this is like, you have six races to make, like kind of make it fun and just go with different ideas. Like do yeah. your idea the one time, do my idea the next time. And then like, you could even qualify and then whoever, wherever your qualifying position is, that's where you, you get to decide like whoever qualified 20th, they decide if they're an AB and then 19th AB, then so on and so forth. So they have six opportunities to kind of mess around with it until they find out what actually works to stick to the same system that isn't that exciting and is not that great in terms of the grand scheme of things seems like kind of a flawed, a flaw in and whoever was running that aspect of it. Now, sure. I will disagree with you in saying that this race wasn't that exciting. Okay, this and we get to that. that Let's get to that in a second. Last Let's get year, to that in a it second. was very not exciting. This Let's get was to that in a second. I want to just stay on the sprint for one more second, and then we can move on because we've dedicated a very chunk to this. But this is for me. I'm having fun. This is this is yeah. where I, you get a little wacky. That's why we're here. This is good. That's why we're here. Okay, so here's the thing: the the, the idea of the sprint actually works in principle if you have more competition all across the season. The reason that I think that it's also failing, like just to be the devil's advocate, you look at it right now, part of the reason that the sprint is like, it feels meaningless is because you have such a dominant team, such a dominant driver that it's like, it isn't benefiting the other teams in the way it would if we had like two or three teams fighting the top and those extra points really, really mattered. And yeah. then regardless of the format, the sprint would mean something. So, it, yes. and, and if you look back at its origins, like it, it was coming in as an idea at a time when there was more of those stakes because of the way Red Bull has dominated the last two years. Like, and it would have been the same five years ago when Mercedes was miles ahead of everybody. Like this yeah. isn't new to the sport. We get that, but it's about finding like, if the point, what was the point? Why did we come up with this idea in the first place? The idea was to try to like take what had become kind of a, I don't know, like a, like a, a vanilla qualifying structure where they felt like it needed something to just reinvigorate the idea of the stakes on Saturday should matter. They thought they'd try it out. They tried it out. It actually worked pretty well. Then they tinkered with it. And then I think they got a lot of pushback people being like, well, we don't really like it as a qualifying thing. And they haven't figured out what it is. And that's where I think we're still at. Like, so for me, I'm like, yeah. I'm one of those, like throw everything at it. But I think they're still in such a conservative place of like, well, I don't know why we're doing it. It's like either go all the way or don't go at all. That's what I mean. Yeah. You, they have the opportunity to make ev all six of them different formats. And then you will hear the feedback from the, like the purists aren't going to like that, but then the new audience might love it. And then guys like us that are kind of like in the middle of like, you want to be true to a sport, but at the same time, like you want to always be inventive. You always want to be moving forward. Um, so like it could, 
there's so much potential for that to actually happen. But right now, you're right. All you're doing is just giving Max Verstappen more points each week because yeah. like, that's what it is. Like that's all it is. It, right when now. it was when it was this format would have worked three years ago when it was Hamilton versus Verstappen when they're like right neck and neck, um, and Hamilton got screwed. That's when this would kind of worked. But now that there's there's clearly one top dog, it doesn't. It's not doing what it's what they think they might have been trying to do. Okay, let's talk about what we did see rather than what we'd like to see. So, uh, obviously, as we said, let's start with the sprint. Um, some fun, some fun qualifying in there. Obviously, it was nice to see some of the like Haas had a pretty good day. We had some guys up there that were just like the rain is the big thing, right? Like the the rain part of of the shootout into the sprint. Do you want to talk about qualifying before that for Friday qualifying? Well, the only thing that I would say about qualifying is that if you followed the storylines of qualifying that very much was telling of the entire weekend. Right. And that story was lap time deletions. Right. Because so, there was a ton of them in qualifying. Yeah. And we will talk about that because I do want to talk about that more in the race part, but you're right. It, it played a factor there too, for sure. The, 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 especially in what would turn four, turn three and turn four. And then at turn, turn three, 15, yeah, nine and 10. Nine and and 10, Perez, the reason Perez did not qualify out of Q2 was because two of his laps back right. to back were uh, deleted. Deleted. And it became, you know, it, there's already such a narrative around him qualifying and how that's been going he's for got, him. But he's got the yips. He's got the qualifying got, yips. There you go. Um, so uh, so we know that. Obviously, um, it was tricky, but the 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 I always like a little bit of rain. Some people hate it. I think it's fun. It adds event to it. It makes it, it a little bit more co complicated. You have to have good strategy. You have to be on the ball with all of that. What was really fun about the sprint was what we got to see was the, it, 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 and the sprint, this is where the sprint is very good. I think is that like bravery and like the, the, the risk takers benefit in a sprint race by being a little bit risky last year during a sprint race, George Russell, first guy to go put on slicks ends up in the wall. This yeah. race, George Russell back of the pack, first guy to put on slicks, unbelievable recovery because of it yeah. and immediately he starts the the train of everybody putting on the slicks and right away we're seeing some real performance out of some some teams the biggest surprise of the whole weekend i think and it starts from that sprint part is is mclaren and wow did the upgrades work for mclaren at least in one of them uh with so the driver the, driving it but let during me the, say something real quick ahead. yeah um piastri did not get upgrades they only had upgrades for one car I did so, not know that because I because I know at the end of this segment and I'm gonna spoiler it is that I was going to give Piastri the like not so driver of the day, but he did not have the update the upgrades this weekend. So just you can see Lando the difference. Did. And yeah. you want because I was watching just like you I was like, how the fuck does Norris be so good? Like Piastri, I thought was like the next first step in. Like I thought that they talked about him very highly, and yeah. he's basically in 19th and 20th the entire race, and then 18th when um What's his name went out, but that so I I did a little bit of professionalism yeah, yeah. research and nice. Uh, they Piastri Thank did God not one of get us the did. upgrades. Yeah, Pistra, which apparently happens very often. They'll have and enough only for one, one of us car. Does research, oh no, and sorry. yeah, and unless you're like Mercedes or Red Bull, sure, but sure, sure. A lot of the other cars will be like, hey, we have time to put these. We have Try time to install one. these on one. So let's choose our driver A. Let's call it. Yeah, and then they'll go forward with it, and it very much worked for Lando Norris this whole entire weekend. Yeah. So winners and losers from the sprint, obviously, you know, Max had a pretty good day. I think the most impressive part of that 
from my perspective is like the, the beginning of that sprint, the way that that Red Bull had dominated. We don't have to talk about that. We never have to talk about that. That was obvious, but like the, the recovery from a couple of those teams to get up those slicks on there, you know, who had a really good, both sprint and race was, was Lance Stroll. The, the, the way that he's been driving in the last two races, he's starting to, to at least catch up to where Alonzo has been. But for me, it's like, the 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 now that I know that part about Norris, it changes everything about how I thought. It about does, it. doesn't it? It, it changes it, that, everything because we could have been out here just chewing him apart. <laughs> I, and I was ready to do that because it was like, but I was also very impressed with I like I was very impressed with uh, how Norris had driven. I didn't realize now why he was so yeah. much further ahead. Well, let's not take anything away from Norris, but we'll Evidently. just have a little bit of understanding towards PS. Evidently, um, for you, who are your winners and losers from the sprint? Well, I think the fans actually kind of won from the first, like from lights out, you saw Red Bull head to head with Red Bull and neither of them were backing down in the corners. It was extremely exciting where you're just like, oh my God, they're going to take each other out. They're going to take each other out, which is what we've been wanting to see all year. Yeah. Without, and like no one was saying anything to them on the radio because it was too, they were within the first five turns. They're not going to get on there and be like, hey, don't, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So we got, very short, but we did get a very little peek of like what it would have been like Red Bull versus Red Bull. Yep. Um, and then towards the end of like the midfield in the sprint race, towards the end of that was so exciting. Like yeah. from five well, and obviously, to eight like, was awesome. Hulkenberg starting half where he started was exciting because it's fun for a guy to be there. But obviously very quickly, those tires just didn't have anything for him and he was dropping. Yeah. But it was interesting to see like some different positions. And I do think that that's like what you hope for in the sprint situation. You know, obviously tough day for some other guys but but for me the sprint was like specifically the only thing about the sprint that was interesting was like the tire management strategy really yeah it it still lacked it's 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 what it used to have let's jump to sunday because there's a lot more to talk about there so obviously uh the rain goes away we get a reg a completely dry race there was a little chatter oh maybe the rain will come but it never did so that from that perspective we've developed on this show kind of a, a grading system for overall races. Would you call this a high or low event race? Just I would as say a it was general a very, statement. I would say in terms of the events that like um, safety cars and weather that are kind of not fair, like kind of outside of anybody's control, very low event. But in terms of like passes and overtakes and like fights in corners and pit strategy, extremely high event, um, especially towards like if you're just watching that again, you're just watching the midfield, extremely high event race that at, in Austria. So obviously, big winners are Red Bull. They had a great great day, but let's just talk about Ferrari because Ferrari had an interesting day. Uh, we've 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 been pretty hard on Ferrari uh, for most of the last two seasons because they have had some very difficult races where they were in positions to have more success than they shoot themselves in the foot or they make some bad decisions or they have all of those things. There was a moment in this race, you know, that was like one of those turning point moments where like it very easily could have gone and being another disastrous day for Ferrari, but it ended up actually being kind of okay. So we have the very late called safety car, um, or, you know, pretty early on what was it like lap 15 or something? Um, it was pretty early on, but they were at a point back to back. The two of them, obviously signs chasing Leclerc and signs seemed to have better pace for that portion of the race. He was already starting to get a little bit antsy, seeing the back of Leclerc going around and around and around, but they were late getting 
the call for, or the, just the timing, I guess, of when it came out. It wasn't necessarily that they were late, but it, it was a late call for them. They couldn't pit. They were forced to go around again, and it looked like they might yeah. miss the opportunity to get the free pit stop uh, during that safety car where everybody else behind them, obviously, was very quick to get into the pits. And yeah. you could see it, sense the frustration. You could sense the, like, that, you know, that, uh-oh, here we go again. And yep. yet, they had such impressive straight-line speed that they just drove themselves out of that problem. Later in, when they got the pit stops, they dropped some positions. They just overtook everybody ahead of them. Signs overtook like four more cars to get himself back up there. Leclerc obviously getting back up and onto the podium. Like they, the car got them out of trouble for the first time in a very long time, at least as long as I can remember the last time we saw that kind of performance for the Ferrari, where literally no matter what other factors came into play, they just had a very good performance weekend. Absolutely. And if you look at the race when it finished, they were two and four. Right. Now, there was a bunch of stuff we'll probably get to about this whole race was marred with penalties and yeah. time deletions and black and white flags and five-second penalties because of um, track limits. But you're not wrong. Like, Ferrari had, and it was, it looked very ugly at the beginning because you could see that signs just wanted to pass the clear. And then they double-stacked when they yeah. did. They, did they, when they double-stacked. They had to, but both their pit stops were horrible. Like yeah, they like were four, bad. Five and yeah, really four bad. nine yeah. in a double stack, and you could also see that signs at that time kind of slowed down in the last two corners so that he could get like a two second gap be between the the stack, like the double stack. Yeah, and it it that part worked out, but the the team was extremely slow switching tires yeah. on them. Yep. Um. So that was kind of bad, but you're right. Like they drove themselves out of they it. Drove out of the trouble. That um, was the and like even like qualifying. So in qualifying on Friday, Leclerc was like a tenth of a second or a hundredth of a second or something like that. Like point zero five, um, behind Verstappen. Like he almost got pole position in this race. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. So for 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 Ferrari, definitely a a race a race weekend that finally kind of turned their way. You know what I mean? We talk about it in like other sports where you get like puck luck or you kind of like the bounces go your way. And it's like this weekend, they just happened to like lady luck was on their side. They got out of the yeah. couple of mistakes they made in, in other races. We have not seen them get out of, <laughs> which is good from, from a Ferrari perspective. It was good. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about it now. Cause it's the big elephant in the room, obviously going over these white lines on these couple of corners seems to be very difficult for some drivers less difficult for others but it, as you say it plagued everybody through qualifying it plagued everybody through the sprint and it obviously became a absolute nightmare during the the race uh over half the, the grid ends up with at, at least a five second penalty multiple penalties applied to other people multiple pe uh, multiple penalties applied after the fact due to not serving penalties correctly so just yeah. an absolute like a gong show as far as being able to sort out the final order, being able to sort out where we were. And obviously it also played a huge psychological factor on drivers. No one more so than Lewis Hamilton who got, I think the first of the penalties, but like just oh the way God. those drivers are doing calculations in their minds to begin with, in terms of where they are, where they're, you know, where are they lifting? Where are they coasting? Where's the tire pressure at? Where's the, all of those factors. And then you're adding to that, this penalty that they know in the back of their mind is they're, calculating where they are in the grid is playing a role all of that on you know just made for an like if you want to talk high event that was where the highest events were they were in the penalties being a thousand percent a thousand percent and it was actually kind of annoying for lewis 
you were annoyed by it. I was annoyed by it. Most people were probably annoyed by Lewis Hamilton on the radio saying, well, he's doing it too. But see, it wasn't well, just Lewis. Him, That's what was, that was what was frustrating because it, it started at the beginning of it. What we had him up, we had Norris upset with with uh, Hamilton. Norris was the one and to start it. Norris gets past Hamilton and Hamilton's now complaining about Norris. Yeah. Hamilton's complaining about Perez. Later, Signs is complaining. And then Norris is complaining about Signs. Literally, everybody's t- tattletailing. Like yeah. every single one of them is like, well, I don't want to be the only one who gets called out here. And it's like, oh, don't worry. You're not. Trust us. It's, it's, it it's is. pretty brutal. So if you watch the race and then that was it, and then you're like, okay, this is oh, what the good. race Here's is. The day. Yeah. These are the penalties that were imposed after the race. Carlos Sainz, 10 seconds. Lewis Hamilton, 10 seconds. Pierre Gasly, 10 seconds. Alex Alba, Alex Albon, 10 seconds. S1 Ocon, 5 seconds, 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 10 seconds. Total of 30 second 30 penalty yep. for Esteban Ocon. Logan Sargent, 10 seconds. Nick DeVries, 10 seconds. Nick DeVries, 5 seconds. Total of 15 seconds. Yuki Tsunade, 5 seconds. Yuki Tsunade, 5 second time penalty. Like, there was oh my from God, I know. the bottom of the grid to the top changed drastically. The top three stayed the same. So Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, but Norris you, is up to four. Can fourth. you just read the names on that list again? I don't need the numbers. Just read the names again. Cause I think you missed up, one too. Of the post, like the yeah. post time penalties. Yeah. Signs, Hamilton, Gasly, Albon, Ocon, Sergeant DeVries, Sonoda. Okay. And who in that? So those are just the post ones handed out. You don't have the ones yeah. from during the race either. Right. During the race, you could. There's okay. So here's the best five one. of these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the best it. one. Then here's the best one. Nico Hulkenberg did not finish this race. He was assigned a five second penalty, twenty two laps after he had already been in the garage. It's like, why are you still handing him a penalty? Who cares? They couldn't keep point? up. They why do we need a five up. second penalty to a driver who's literally already in the RV? And the most frustrating part about this, like, let's completely forgive all the things after the race because they couldn't keep up but the announcers talking and the fia the little messages that come up saying like will be like looked at or like this incident is happening they didn't know the difference between the alpine cars so the entire time they're going gasly's trying to pass this guy gasly's trying to pass that guy i'm like that's all con. Gasly's like five places. That ahead is actually, like, I've noticed that about? a few times this year. And it's it not was just so frustrating. It's quite a few teams. They seem to have a hard time identifying which car they're looking at. Yeah. Especially the onboards, right? Usually it's the onboard that confuses them. And then Ocon took the penalty where he um, unsafe release in the pit. And they're like, oh, Gasly's going to get penalized for that. I'm like, Gasly's going to get penalized for something Ocon did? What, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And then the FIA message came up, said, um, under in- incident investigation, Pierre Gasly unsafe release, and I, th- then I started going, "Well, who the hell is in like what position? Am, am I wrong with the ticker on the left? I don't." I was so confused, and then I saw Gasly's yellow helmet, and Ocon was wearing the red helmet. I'm like, "Okay, they're confused. I'm fine." But that was like a 20 lap thing where I was like, yeah. "These guys have to be better than this. Yeah. They have to be better than that." Yeah, it was a mess. But again, not unlike what I said earlier about all these things that are in these drivers' heads, you kind of have to give the broadcasters like some slack in the sense that, like, imagine just the the quantity of alerts that are coming up on their timing screens, like just just and and how many of them are like contradictory or how many of them feel like they're they're on top of the other ones and all of those kind of things. Like again, Hamilton serves his penalty in the pit. Well, he gets a ten second penalty later because they were like off by a tenth of a second or a hundredth of a second. Like it's at that point, it's just like, what are we doing here, guys? Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the actual racing itself. So obviously, as we said, well, because look, I mean, we're, this is all anyone's going to talk about is this the, the, these stupid lines. Yeah. 
I guess the question is this, let's to, to put a cap on it. Like, do you think they need to put like sausage curbs in? Do they need to do more of, to change this? Or do we just kind of like need to relax the rule a little bit during the Grand Prix, be stricter during qualifying? Like where do you come down on the kind of potential solutions to what was a very sloppy product at the end of the day? That is a good question. I don't know the answer to that because sausage curbs would obviously make them not want to go over as much because you're going to do more damage to the floor of your car. Um, that also does feel like the safest and easiest thing to do without changing the penalties. That Because the only other thing you can do is change the penalty. Like if you get five of them, then you have to give up a spot to the whoever's behind you, no matter what the distance is. But those guys didn't stop. Like there's, they just kept doing the same thing over and over again. We're just like, we'll just deal with it later. Just like, so is just like we're talking the, about it later. For some of them, they feel like it's track, it's just track design. Like it's almost impossible not to. And yet there are well, guys Verstappen who never got Verstappen never yeah, got five second penalty. But how many? So here's a here's the question I would then ask you: of the drivers who took those penalties, in how many time in, in in how many of those situations were they the one being chased? by another car with DRS and they're having their four to push to the limit. Max never had anyone in any position make him have to feel like he had to be, you know what I mean? Like he had clean air. He he wasn't fighting any, anybody else. Like it was, he literally had such a lead. He took a pit stop at the end of the race to put on soft tires so that he could go get the fastest lap back. Like that's the level of so far and away that he is at that. Of course, Which he's, we need he's to having a nice that. Sunday drive. That was a crazy to me. Let's talk about crazy. that. I, I mean, I remember watching it thinking this that is bold. gap went from 22 seconds to three seconds yep. in a race where almost every single driver got a five second penalty for yep. lap exceeding, exceeding um, the lines. Yeah. So for him to go, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. So I'll just whatever. I got three seconds spare. To go out and get, I was like, dude, what but, are you but doing? But like, think about you the number of factors. It doesn't matter to him. him. But the that one point I know. doesn't matter to him. Well, it does. He thinks it does. And that's what's ironic. You're right. But it doesn't why? matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's not going to come down to, we're not dealing with the Lewis versus Max yeah. situation again here. He's going to win the championship him. with more points than any constructor even gets at this point. Yeah. Like, like the, the, he's not in any kind of danger, but you're right. It's a level of cocky. It's a level of confidence. It's that very cocky. Is there, but it's also like, to be fair, it's also it tells you how confident he and the team is in their pit crew. It tells you how confident they are in the car. Like, remember a few years ago when Bottas went in for a regular pit stop and they couldn't get a wheel off because they stripped the yeah. ball? Like, what if that had happened? Like, how That's embarrassing I mean. would you that have been? Because I was, hoping, I was hoping for that. The minute they I said was it on the radio, hoping. I was like, I hope, I hope they, you know, he gets in there and it's like a 15 second pit stop. And the whole thing, I was hoping it was a four second pit stop. Yeah, it would have been was, a mess. I was I was hoping that that would have backfired 100%, huge hundred percent would have loved that would have loved but, that but that's just he has they've got the horseshoe up their ass right now like that's yeah. just where they're at as a team okay so I think we we don't have an answer for uh, how to slow Red Bull down we don't have an answer for how to keep everybody inside the lines but that's fine that was for other people to decide we pretty much figured out the sprint nobody's listening to us but when they do they'll fix the sprint let's get to they could put a wall now. they could put a wall. A car yeah. went. I don't know. Away. That's what it means. Like, or yeah. or like <laughs> tires or something. Like that would, I guarantee you, that would deter people from going in there. It doesn't need to be a cement wall. It could just be t- like yeah, fair. 100 yards of tires. But that would stop those guys from taking that turn. <laughs> Get like a go kart track. Yes, yeah. Like, like, well, they do it everywhere else. Yeah. Um, let's, let's jump back into actual racing. The big one for me 
as I said already, was Lando Norris. Great day for Lando Norris. We finally saw him in a competitive car, and it was nice to see those upgrades work. I now understand why he was so much better than his teammate, and I have a lot of therapy to do to accept how quick I was to think that Piastri was bad. But he hadn't given me a lot of evidence yet to prove he wasn't. Norris drove really well. I thought that the Ferraris drove really well. The rest of the field for you, where are the positives and where are your negatives? I think I think Gasly had a good day. I'm not sure what was going on with Ocon. Ended up in P10, um, yeah. After yeah, all of everything they, else shuffled. <laughs> I think like Mercedes for all the radio talk they had about how bad their day was, not like Seven eight's not horrible. I know they want to be like five six four five, but I think I think the part for them that was really hard was just the fact that they had no answer on the straights to the Aston Martins and to Norris's McLaren, and I think that really frustrated them. Based on what we saw, like in Canada, where they had really felt like they took a big step forward, but this track obviously did not serve them well. This it wasn't working. What yeah, it like if you're a Mercedes fan, which I am like, you do look at it and you go, when you're, when your two drivers end up, you know, seven, eight, originally seven, eight, and now seven, eight, um, depending on how, after those penalties, the point was when your drivers end up next to each other, that kind of tells you it's car. <laughs> like that's where the car was meant to be because <laughs> your dr- drivers both had good days and that's where the car ended up. That's fine. You know, so it's easy to sort of write that off. Um, I think that I agree with you. I think Gaz had a good day, but you know, for me, who has really started to like kind of, and we talked a lot about him last week, but like he really is starting to put weekend after weekend after weekend together and put a really good case in for a bigger team to take a look at him again. And that's Alex Albon. Oh, a hundred percent. Alex Albon just finished outside the points. Um, you know, Williams. hundred percent. And he was there the entire time. We were talking yeah. about him a lot this weekend. Um, where do you finish in the sprint? Actually, let me take a, a, a quick look at that. Because While you're doing that, he... I also want to just, I just want to say, cause we've been hard on a 13. few teammates, Logan Sargent finishes 13 in the Grand Prix. Obviously, again, helped by Ocon dropping after his 30 seconds of penalties. But still, for Logan Sargent, one of his better weekends, one of his better races. Yeah. Um, and nice to again see that that Williams, without really the ability to kind of like overhaul their car, is starting to take little baby steps developmentally. They're starting to figure it out better. Their drivers are getting more comfortable with it. And, you know, as you have preached from the minute we started doing this podcast, like, don't worry about the top. Start looking at the middle of the table. This is a storyline for me that's exciting over the next couple of years. Like, can Williams genuinely start to climb the table? Can they figure out with James Vowles there now leading them, like, with the way that they're trying to develop the car, with the way they're trying to rebuild the entire um, organization from the ground up? Like, it would be nice to see a classic brand like Williams start to compete in the middle of the table again, as opposed to just being the also ran at the bottom. And like, this is baby steps. It's one race, but it was nice to see like, Oh wow. And they had some good fights. They were in some cool overtaking opportunities. Like he was in the heart of it right in there. He was in the heart of that midfield battle the entire time, especially for that last point. He was there. Like the, the last 20 laps of this race were very much you're watching eight to 12. Yeah. And it was very exciting. There was pass after pass and then overtake back to where they were before. And it was like that from, I would say even from lap 16, like right after the virtual safety car, lap 16, lap 18 started this like flurry of excitement that kind of lasted 
the whole the whole rest of the race between eight down. Um, and I think that Albon would be almost smart to stay at Williams and then find out what the hell is going on with Lewis Hamilton and kind of just have his name and his loyalty there for, for that Mercedes spot. If it the only challenge, the, next three the only years. challenge I'll give you that is this is still a guy who proudly wears Red Bull on the side of his helmet. Like he's still very much invested in the Red Bull development program, but I don't see an opportunity at Red Bull. Like they will go to somebody else again before they go to Alex. So you're right. He should be thinking whoever the best team up there is that as an opportunity, he should be looking for that. But I agree with you. Like maybe he, and, and it served a guy like George Russell to stay there longer than he needed to, right? George Russell was yeah. ready to step into a bigger car earlier. There just wasn't a seat. Yep. And because of that, he stepped into this and hasn't missed a beat. He is not overwhelmed. He is not out of his depth. He's very comfortable in that Mercedes. Not to be fair, the Mercedes is like the third or fourth best car on most days, but he's still driving it just as well as Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion. Yeah, I agree with you. Albon should continue to develop his, his position there and continue to try to get, you know, to, to grow as, uh, as he gets better there. Um, and I already said it, but I'll say it again. Like, I also think this was one of the better race weekends for Lance Stroll. He did not look like he was being completely, uh, outperformed by his teammate for a lot of this race. You know what I mean? Yes. Alonzo finishes a lot better than him, but like this, the fights Stroll was in, he was competitive and he wasn't just getting blown by. He put on a good fight up against Hamilton. At one point he had a good fight with Russell later on. Like he was one of those. And again, during the sprint too, where he actually, ended up finishing ahead of Alonzo for the first time all season. Like, you know, it's baby steps, but it's, it's, it's important again for a guy who probably has even more like unnecessary external pressure on him than anybody else out there because of all of the other factors of the situation yeah. he's in, you know, that it, I, like I kind of half root for him. I, I kind of pity him for being there and not really being qualified to be there, but I, I do kind of like, I hope he, I, I don't wish him ill. You know what I mean? I don't wish him ill. Like I did lit Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> I prefer Latifi over Stroll. Easily. Not, not, it's not about his person. I just, they're think both that, like, bad drivers. Yeah. They're not great. Okay. Um, uh, I'll lay that one down real fast, but let's, uh, let, before we move on here, any final thoughts on, on this? You, you've defended this. You think this circuit wasn't bad. I personally would be not, a moment of regret if this circuit disappeared from the from the from the calendar. Well, it's I, signed. I don't it's like signed until twenty thirty. I know. I don't like it. I don't like it's it. Uh, I think it's too short. I don't think it's interesting enough. I think that the only factor about this entire thing that is challenging is that it apparently is too narrow for a lot of them in some of these corners to stay on the track. But like, eh. I don't know. Like last year, I would say that this race sucked. This year, I thought it was great. That was awesome. I thought it was wicked to see the difference between how Max Verstappen was smart enough to know not to pass the detection point until the corner came That's and then point. go ahead. That was a, and Perez that was couldn't fucking figure it out. He could and not that is the difference between those two cars right now is that Verstappen is mentally there for everything and Perez doesn't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, no, that's actually a good one. That's a good point because I did notice that and it reminded me ironically of Perez back in uh, Brazil a few years ago where he seemed to use that tactic to his advantage a few times but he did not seem to figure it out here at all it was like he didn't know where he was couldn't or just couldn't could not get his it, it, but max on that one overtake like un, like just must have just infuriated leclerc oh, in I that situation because he's like what how does this guy ahead of me who's already got probably five or six kilometers on my car now add an extra 12 13 to that with drs open i'm he's gone that's the race yeah boom you know that was interesting about this track and then we we've known this to be 
about that track before. So I don't know. I think you should give it another shot because I enjoyed this weekend thoroughly in terms of high event and excitement. Final thoughts before we leave it? No. Done. Okay. Last thing I want to say before we go to break here. Uh, didn't happen at the circuit, but it did play a factor. And I think we should just have a moment to acknowledge that we did lose a driver in motorsports this weekend. Obviously, Lance Stroll, if you saw his post-race comments after the sprint, was quite emotional about this and did not even want to talk about the sprint. He felt like that wasn't being covered enough. Uh, Delano Van de Hoff, a uh, Dutch driver, um, driving in a Formula Regional European Championship uh, at Spa this weekend. 18-year-old, um, driving for MP Motorsport was killed in an accident. He lost control of his vehicle, went off the track. And as his car basically reversed back onto the track, uh, he was in a, like a T-bone incident where another full speed car came around the corner and um, obviously tragic, but unfortunately the same circuit and almost at the same corner that um, Antonin Hebert, uh, he, 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 I can't pronounce that in French. I'm sorry. Um, passed away in 2019. If you remember, that was covered on um, Drive to Survive. A French driver, good close friends of Pierre Gasly, died at that circuit yeah. in the same place at Eau Rouge, which is the corner. So again, Lance Stroll basically saying, guys, we need to change this corner. Like, this isn't safe. We've now seen two people die here. Um, and he doesn't feel like yeah. people are listening to them. So it's a, it's a sad story. It's an important one for motorsports to just be aware of every time, you know, it's preventable and it should be preventable. And these guys go out there and they entertain, but that's what they should be doing. They shouldn't be out there risking their lives. We have how much technology at our disposal to try to make these things as safe as possible and any excuse not to do. So I think is, is just that. And it's, it's an excuse. All right, let's take a break. The ordinary podcasting network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to ordinarypodcasts.com. Okay, Tyler, you know what time it is. It's time for mail. You didn't know what time it was. I saw your face. You didn't know what time it was. <laughs> I was like, wait, is second, it you were like, <laughs> No, 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 you were scared for a second. You were like, I was. I forget something. And then, of course, the jingle <laughs> plays and you're like, okay, I know what's going on. But for all those at home only listening to this, Tyler, for just a brief moment, there's a little tightening of the sphincter. He was yeah, a didn't know. Nervous. I was like, oh, what do I talk about here? What did I forget to do? Yeah, yeah. He sat up straight like the teacher's like, all right, Tyler, <laughs> where's your homework? Okay. Uh, our question this week is is uh, pressing. Um, and it's funny because we've actually talked a fair bit about it. But it's more now just like this This question we got earlier in the year. Um, and I think that it's it's timely to do it this week. It's from Larry. Larry's simple question was this. Should Formula One keep the sprint? Uh, he asked it before this race. So now that we've seen this, I, I'm going to just change the, the the language from should they, because we've kind of already discussed how we think they should change it. Here's my bigger question. Do you think we will see a change next season? Or do you think that they are just too stubborn in how they've set it up? I don't think we will see. I don't think they're too stubborn because they have changed it. So they know that it wasn't working before. So maybe they'll know it. Like it's not working now. I don't know how they determine whether it is or is not working because I thought it was working before. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was good for the sport. If it continues to be the way it is now with the format they're using, I don't care for it. Like I'll watch it just because I like, I like the sport and I want to know what's going on and I, it's exciting to me. Um, but it doesn't like I don't. I'm not as excited as I am watching qualifying on Friday or the race on Sunday. 
So until it becomes part of the whole weekend and not like its own little pre-show, I don't understand it. And I don't know why you'd want to keep it. It seems like it's just like, it, you could do other things with that Saturday. Like you could just showcase the Formula One two guys in the sprint format um, in the sprint format instead of doing it with the F one guys. Like I just don't understand the value of it, other than money, for the whole, entire weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've kind of beaten this one already here. Yeah, pretty well to death. But I I I don't see them changing it. Uh, I'd like them to, but I would I would be surprised if they change it next season. I think that they'll try one more year with the similar. Now they might tinker with it, but I don't think that we'll have a wholesale change, unfortunately. Um, uh, Larry, if if you didn't listen to the first fifteen minutes of this podcast <laughs> and have this question thoroughly answered, I apologize. It's the best we can do, um, but we kind of already dealt with it. Uh, but thank you for the question, and for everybody else out there, if you would like to ask us a question about anything Formula One related or or not, you know, you can ask what. Tyler's favorite, you know, Riesling is, I don't know, like whatever, whatever questions you want to ask, um, uh, (laughs) you can submit them by emailing us at pitstop at ordinarypodcasts.com or hitting us up in our direct messages on Instagram. Okay. Tyler, a couple housekeeping news things. And then I realized that we skipped the awards before. Usually we take, we do the awards before we go to commercial, but because I was doing the tribute, I missed that. So we'll do that now, but, but but really quickly, just a a fun little note that I saw from a news thing. Uh, McLaren is going to run a custom special livery at our next race, which is in um, Great Britain at the British Grand Prix. I don't know if you saw this already. They're going to go back to the Chrome, which Mm -hmm. is like the classic McLaren look that Lewis obviously won a world championship in. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Chrome. Uh, well, it goes well for their Google but... thing on the yeah, side. Hey, I didn't Chrome. even think of that. That's there why they go. did. That's 100% also, why they did. Why is Chrome's like art not shiny? It should be chromed. Everything on there, like their logo should be chrome. Like when they do like the Major League <laughs> Baseball chrome versions of logos, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, you're not wrong. You're what not wrong. the hell? Uh, <laughs> I'm fixing the sprint. I'm fixing Google's like artwork. Okay. Let's go to our awards really quickly for Austria before we move on. Uh, driver of the day for me, the my it's a simple vote. It's Norris. I think he had the most important yep, day of his that. season, uh, and I think he drove the hell out of that car. So I, I think if we're in agreement, Norris is our driver of the day. I think he was actually the driver of the day too. I think yep. he did get the fan vote, so that's awesome. Yes, uh, yes, not driver of the day. I mean, it's it's tough. I was. We both agree we had maybe someone else we were going to pick on, but it's kind of hard to vote for Piastri knowing he was in a lesser car. Um, yeah. Who, who, who other than that? I mean, for me, it's Ocon. You get 30 seconds, but really, is it his fault or is that the stewards? Like at what point? But for me, 30 seconds of penalties at the end of the race, it, it makes it hard for you to not be the worst driver of the day. You could give this to, um, well, I tell you right now, I will give it to Yuki Tsunoda. Okay. Um, but you could easily give it to DeVries or Magnuson as well. And even a con, a con should be better in that car. If Gasly's in the top 10 in the last like five races or something like that, a con's got to be better, but I would give it to Yuki Sonoda. He also needs to start proving himself better because that Alpha Tori car is not going to get any points well, unless he performs. And I'm sorry, last week, I, I, I don't, I can't remember if this was on like a formula one podcast or if it was on like a formula one YouTube video, but there was a commentary conversation going on at like a round table. You know what? I think it was a sky sports thing but there was a suggestion that they thought Yuki Sonoda had done enough to prove to Red Bull. He was ready to drive next to Max Verstappen. And I went, whatever you are smoking, like, yeah, that's what, 
on God's green earth would make you think that Yuki Tsunoda has done anything close to being ready to step into a Red Bull car, unless there's like some kind of like this guy making the suggestion, like owns all the insurance on the Red Bull cars. Like maybe that's what it is. He just yeah. wants to collect the money <laughs> from all of the just destroyed Red Bulls well, you're going to end up with. Like what on earth? Maybe he's drank too much Red Bull. Like, I don't know. It was, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Yuki Tsunoda hasn't proved that he deserves a seat on the, in Formula One, let alone a Red Bull car. I'm telling you, this is the this is what they're talking about out there. It's insane. Uh, stop listening to that one. Stop listening. Because they're to that talking podcast. about well, they're like, oh well, his seat will be available. Daniel Ricardo can go to Alpha Tori, which is also like what? Yeah, why would he do that? But but then like, oh, I I mean, there probably will be a seat available to Alpha Tori, but it won't be because the note has been upgraded. Yeah, no, it's going to be gone. Last year, this time we were saying this is he's fighting for his life right now, and he had a good first five races, and where he was like twelve to or thirteen to twelve, thirteen to eleven. And now he's back to his losing ways and is, they're going to be very fed up with him because he's not the greatest person to work with either. Okay. We agree on that one. Yuki Tsunoda, not the driver of the day. How about overtake of the day? Cause there, there wasn't like, for me, at least there wasn't like the obvious one, but there were a lot of really, there were some good, there were some good fights. I, my favorite. I really, let's go for it. Yeah. Give me yours. My favorite was lap 28. Uh, Norris's pass of Hamilton. Um, Hamilton broke, but, Norris broke a little bit later, which you can do on these uphill t- uphill corners. Um, Norris broke later, dove under Hamilton, took him uh, took him by car length to the next one. I loved that pass. I thought it was awesome. Um, they did not do a great job of showing it, but uh, I saw it, noticed it, and wrote it down. So that was that was going to be number two for me. My first one was going to actually be uh, signs overtaking Hamilton because they had about a two or three lap yeah. kind of fight to get it done. But he ended up being, obviously they just had the better pace, but you know what? I kind of, I, I kind of lean into the Norris one too, because for before the pit stop, there was a Norris Hamilton fight after the pit stop, there was a Nor- Norris Hamilton fight and Norris ends up getting the better of Hamilton for the first time all season uh, because he was in a better car this week. And I think that he yeah. deserves that. So I'll give him, I'll give him that one too. That's fair. Uh, all right. Radio call of the week. I know we are both, on the same page with this one. Uh, I have, I love very, this one. I haven't been very good at, at, at getting the audio for these ones, but I, I have managed to pull the audio for this one. Uh, do you want to tell us what it is or should I just tee it up? This, this is my, probably my favorite radio call of the year so far. See, Lewis okay. Hamilton complaining about, uh, complaining about his pen time penalty for exceeding track limits. And then constantly talking for 20 laps to get Toto who doesn't talk a lot on the horn saying, Lewis, we know the car is bad, but please just drive it. Unbelievable. That's all he had to say. On, off. Unbelievable. Here it is. Lewis, the car is bad. We know. Please drive it. Imagine how frustrated you have to be as a second-generation listener to him complaining. Like You're seeing all the lap times. You're seeing guys go over. You're, all, you're frustrated already for your drivers. To then have your driver complain to you all the time, like, dude, we see it, we get it. Okay, just shut up and drive the fuck car. Yeah. Like, no, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, what I haven't told you, but we're going to tell you now because you just made me think of it, is that we're going to, at the end of the year, have to go back and look at yeah. all of these things and make our pick for the year. So, you may have already jumped the shark on it. It's possible it's the one. You've, you've already found your, your radio call. At least it is the clubhouse leader. And we're going to have to see if anything yeah. can overtake it at this point because it is uh, pretty good. It is pretty, yeah. pretty good. Uh, okay, those those are our radio calls, or pardon me, our radio call and our awards. So we've gotten through that. We've done it out of order, but now, Tyler, 
please, 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 please set us up for, I said last year, my race of the year was the British Grand Prix. I love the circuit. A lot of people do, but will it deliver this year? Well, this will be this weekend, British Grand Prix. First one was 1950, 52 laps. This is widely regarded and it's controversial, but as the race of the year for a lot of people, people very much look forward to this one. Um, the record lap record is held by Lewis Hamilton, uh, 127.369. This track has two DRS zones, one of the fastest tracks in F1. You're going to be hearing a lot this weekend about famous corners like Maggots, Beckett's Abbey. Um, this track rarely ever disappoints. Last year's podium, first time Grand Prix winner Carlos Sainz with Perez and Hamilton on the podium with them. Verstappen was seventh in this race. Six DNFs, Albon, Zhao, Russell, Botas, Gasly, Ocon. If you don't recall this race, this is the one where on the first lap, Zhao was flipped upside down. And then Russell parked his car, got out, walked over to help, and got himself uh, disqualified for the rest of the, the race. Um, that was lap one. Yeah. lap. The last 10 laps of this race were absolutely electric. Um, this is the race where Lewis had that wicked double overtake of Leclerc and Perez while they were battling it out. He just came in and took it over, lost it, uh, lost that place back to Perez, but that was awesome five laps. And then the last five laps, five cars were fighting for that second spot. So this is a really, really fun race. And we have some excitement coming up this weekend because we know that Perez is kind of slumping a little bit. The Ferraris are gaining based on what we saw last weekend. And I can tell you that you are going to be happy with the next thing I say. Mercedes is getting the second of their three upgrades for this weekend. So they know their car was bad two days ago or yesterday. Let's see what they bring to Silverstone. It's going to be awesome to watch the British stars in this because Norris had just had a great weekend. Hamilton and Russell are going to be hungry because they want the car to get better. It's going to be a fun, fun weekend. Um, that is July 9th this Sunday. Yeah, it, it is always one I have circled on my calendar. I'm always excited for it. It's funny. You mentioned the first lap last year because obviously it was very dramatic with that car flip. Mm -hmm. But if you go back a year before that, we also had Hamilton taking... Verstappen out on the first lap. Very rarely do cars get away cleanly at the beginning of this race. There is always yeah. high event starts, lots of action. It's a it's a classic circuit in so many so many ways, and I do always look forward to it. The big question is, will we get rain? Because that changes yeah. everything at the British Grand Prix. But you're right, and it's not just Mercedes. There's a bunch of teams that are going to have upgrades. Now I know McLaren's about to upgrade their second car. We'll really see what Piastri's got. Yeah, we do. Yeah, see? no excuses um, this weekend. But again, apparently, they're also thinking about in practices trying a rain guard at this race on the car like what they've got on the indie cars sort of yes i hope it's not like that because those are so ugly but something along those lines have been talked about i don't know if it's for sure but it's been the last couple of weeks they've been talking about when they want to try it if they're going to try it and how it would work now the other thing to look for this race weekend is there will be a 21st driver out there is this Brad the first? This Pitt. is the first one with Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad God. Pitt and the Why fictional bring that team. <laughs> Brad Pitt and the fictional team will be filming this weekend for the beginning of their production of this Formula One show that they're working on. So that will be definitely just an extra little cherry on top of the circus that is already the British Grand Prix, and will just be something that we'll hear way too much about for the next uh, couple months as they join the, the 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 party. But you know, eh, I'm looking forward to the movie. Whenever the movie comes out, I hope it's good. Now watch you know? it. 
I, yep. I, I it's the director of of Top Gun Maverick, you know, like it's a good action pedigree. Everything should be there. We'll see. But we got real racing, real drama. This isn't fiction. All of it coming for you next weekend. Thank you, Tyler. Another great show. We really appreciate it. And always we thank our fans for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you have questions, send them to us. If uh, you enjoy it, pass it on to your friends, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, all the good stuff until next weekend. That was the pit stop podcast. Keep it on the road. (laughs) Pit stop podcast is a presentation of the ordinary podcasting network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.